BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hey guys, I'm Whitney Port and this is With Wit. A lot of you may know me from reality TV and the reality is a lot's happened since the hills. With Wit is dedicated to having real, raw, and occasionally ridiculous conversations with the people who have had a profound impact on me. Life-changing moments, life-changing people. Because on With Wit, very little is off limits. Today is my first recurring guest, my sister Ashley Port, who you guys may remember from our first episode. She is a wedding and event planner. Her company is BK Events, and she's here to inform us all about weddings. Hi, Ash. Hi, Wit. <laughs> um, you have to excuse us. Our voices are like a little bit sleepy. Not sexy, but sleepy <laughs> because we're both a little sick after traveling to Chicago this weekend. I hope we don't annoy you. But Ash, I'm so excited to have you. I give you so much credit for how much you do. I don't know if you guys all know this, but planning a wedding is the most detail-oriented job. And not only that, but you have to worry about the vast array of emotions that come along with all the details and how much you could be making or breaking someone's most special day of their life. No pressure. Thanks, yeah, Whit. no pressure. <laughs> Not if you already didn't know that, I'm just letting you know. I feel like I, I want to go back to where it all began for you and how you got started because a lot of people don't really know how to get into this industry and how to break into it and how to actually get clients. So why don't you tell us how you decided you wanted to be it and then what your trajectory was and getting to where you are today. Absolutely. So, you know, I always had loved planning parties for like my mom as a child, which is like <laughs> a very weird thing to say. You know, like the first story that that my mom likes to retell is that when I was in first grade, I decided that on the last day of school, I wanted to bring lunch to my teacher. And, you know, like in, in first grade, you're like six years old. So I'm not quite sure where that thought came from. But uh, my mom was totally into it, and <laughs> I went into the garden, and I picked flowers, oh and I made God. food, and then, like, I actually brought it to school and, like, set it out on, like, the teacher's desk, oh which, my like, God. thinking back, like, 30 years to that is, like, one of the weirdest things that I, I think about think myself. I don't it's weird at all. If my daughter <laughs> at that age told me that she wanted to plan a lunch for her <laughs> teacher, I would be like, oh, my God, what an amazingly special little child. Well... I mean, that obviously is how mom thought because <laughs> yeah. she fully went with it. Of course and she did. Yeah. So Paula Frost, my first grade teacher, <laughs> was the recipient of this luncheon that I created for us. I wonder if she remembers. 
I mean, who even knows? <laughs> and that was the end of the school year and we went on summer break. And so I feel like that's kind of like my first uh, foray into the event planning world. But to be honest, as an adult, obviously, uh, you know, I've always been somebody who loves to chat and loves to talk to people and get to know people. And so I thought maybe I wanted to be a psychology major, but I wasn't really sure and I wasn't really feeling connected to anything. So I ended up taking a semester off and enrolling in four different UCLA extension classes that were completely random because I was trying to figure out what I wanted my major to be. And I enrolled in Introduction to Hospitality and Hotel Management. And on the first day, it was like, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. Mm -hmm. And so from there, I immediately applied to both Cornell and to UNLV, which are two really big hotel schools in the United States. And Hotel and Hospitality, Hotel and Hospitality Management, exactly. And so... I knew that I couldn't move to Ithaca, New York, because I'm a California girl and I would probably freeze to death. So I went to UNLV, which was keeping it close to the family as well in Las Vegas. And when I was in school there, I got an internship at the Bellagio Hotel working in a very niche department called High Roller Special Events. And there were five of us in that office. And it was every weekend or even on the weekdays, million dollar budgets for like 40 people. So obviously my introduction was no budgets. You can do whatever you want, whenever you want. And really that was the beginning of my career as I knew it. Amazing. As soon as I graduated college, I moved back to Los Angeles and I started working for a very well-known wedding and event planner here in Los Angeles. And her name is Mindy Weiss. So I worked there for about three years and knew with an entrepreneur father that I always wanted to start my own business. So thus began BK Events in 2009, which means that this is my 10th year having this business. Crazy. And, you know, the rest is history. Right. So when you started working for Mindy Weiss, what was your entry level position? What what were you called? I was an event planner. Okay. I didn't even have to start in as an assistant, which is amazing. Amazing. But a lot of people may have to start a lot in, of people as an do. assistant. Absolutely. Okay. And there's nothing wrong with it because to be honest with you, there is so much to learn and such a fast environment in which we're very fast paced in this business. So it was kind of like throwing us into the deep end, but you know, you have to figure it out. And so being an assistant or starting even as an intern, as a summer position is absolutely something that you will learn so much from and grow so much from. Right. Okay. Well, that's a good start because, you know, obviously Los Angeles is such a big city. So there are a lot of opportunities to work as an assistant for big event planners, but probably for anybody else that doesn't live in a big city, there's always like maybe a hotel or, you know, a way to start your own little assisting firm or, you know. Absolutely. Absolutely. I always say that because Wedding and event planning is a hard business to break into, and especially because nowadays businesses, everything is so cutthroat, you know, like it's even hard to just get an assistant position. So, so my biggest recommendation for anybody who's trying to get into the industry would be to start in a hotel. Mm -hmm. And I say that not only because of my hotel background, but more so because even if you live in a teeny tiny small town, there's going to be, whether it's an inn or a bed and breakfast Mm -hmm. or something like that, there's a lot of opportunity for you to see how the back of the house works and all of those skills will be beneficial for, you know, your eventual plan into getting into event planning. Right. Okay. So now you own your own event planning firm. 
And that is obviously a very all-consuming job because when you're planning someone's wedding, you are working nonstop, working, like I was saying, dealing with all the little details as well as managing the emotions of a bride and her groom and her parents and her in-laws and, you know, a vast majority of other stressors. So how do you balance that and your own life? How do you find time to take care of yourself and, and do you? <laughs> <laughs> well, you as my sister know that maybe I struggle a lot with the uh, work-life balance. Yeah, a little bit. I'll, I'll be honest, you know, it's one of those things where whether you own your own business or you don't, mm-hmm. nowadays work-life balance is really hard. You know, mm-hmm. I think that everyone, because we're so connected with our phones and, you know, our work comes with us all the time, it, at whatever level position you have, you're constantly thinking about, work even when you're not at work. Mm -hmm. And I, the fact that I own my business, obviously everything is my responsibility, you know? Um, and so I try to be better about it. I have, uh, you know, in the future, I have some plans in mind of, you know, how to like separate things a little bit more. Uh, not like, enact yet. Yeah, not yeah. fully enacted yet. But, yeah. you know, things like separating uh, my office upstairs. And even though I obviously walking upstairs is not that challenging, mm-hmm. at least I won't be walking by my computer or, you know, like seeing my desk at all, you know, hours of the day. With all the supplies and the exactly. paperwork and the remnants from the weddings. Yeah. Everything that's calling to me will kind of be put away. So at least I don't have to deal with that. The other part is, is that, you know, my clients do expect that I'm going to be available to them. You know, when I used to give my sales pitch of why you should hire me as your wedding planner, I Mm -hmm. used to say something like, you know, I'm available to you 24 seven. And it was kind of like a flippant kind of comment. Right. Well, because you want to get the job. So it's something easy to say. Of course. I'm like, oh, yeah, call me anytime. You know, and then I'm like, oh, my God, people are actually calling me anytime. You know, (laughs) like I've legit had a bride call me at 1130 p.m on a Saturday night and think like, hey, what are you doing? Like, can we talk about my wedding? And I'm just like, I obviously don't answer. I've gotten better about those kinds of boundaries. But, you know, it's like the fact that people think that I'm available to them really at any given moment. And it can even be that their wedding is nine months away. So I've had to really, and I think some of the, the lessons that I've learned with, you know, dad dying is that there, there are boundaries and mm-hmm. that there are things that are important in life. And I'm not going to say that my clients' weddings and their events and their parties are not important, of but there not. is a difference between life and death uh-huh. and what can wait until Monday morning right. and what needs to actually be dealt with at this point. Right. I mean, I think that's a lesson for all of us, especially entrepreneurs who really as hard as you work is what you're going to get out of it. You know, it's not like we're just a salary paid worker working at our desk nine to five and we're only getting this one salary and it doesn't matter if we're working, you know, a million hours or five hours. Like for entrepreneurs, like the harder you work, the more you're going to get out of it. So it's really hard to set those boundaries. That's true. And I'm a hundred, my company is a hundred percent referral based. Yeah. I don't do any kind of like marketing. I mean, I guess aside from being on your podcast, but well, Social media uh, is right, marketing. Yeah. Right. But I mean, you know, for me, it's it's what I put into it is what I get out. And if mm-hmm. I don't work, like you just said, I mean, I pay myself. So it's right. like I'm not going to make any money if I don't work. Right. So with this comes with a lot of different 
personalities. It's not like a normal job in that way. How do you deal with crazy people? <laughs> you know, like you can't choose your clients. If you have an amazing client come to you and by amazing, I mean someone that has like a crazy large budget <laughs> and wants to work with you and wants you to be super creative, but they're super high maintenance. How do you deal with that? You know, that's a huge challenge. I will say that after 10 years in business and obviously the three years that I worked for someone else before that, I've gotten really good at kind of figuring out who's going to be really challenging and who's not. Mm -hmm. Every once in a while, you know, someone will slide through, you know, which is fine. Uh, my job is about taking care of other people and mm -hmm. everybody needs a wedding planner, you know, right. so it's like, you know, someone's got to do the job, yeah. I, I, you know, as silly as that sounds. But I think that part of the fact that I was interested in psychology in, mm -hmm. in college mm -hmm. uh, and obviously being a part of a large family, it's taught me how to deal with a lot of people with different, you know, dynamics. And and I really feel like a lot of the time I am a family counselor. You mm -hmm. know, I am. We're talking about lots of money, regardless of what your budget is. If it's huge or it's not, we're talking about lots of money. Right. We're talking about lots of tensions. You know, do you get along with your future mother-in-law? You know, like what, who's involved in what and how do I kind of toe the line where it's like, I'm working for the bride and the groom, but I'm also working for the parents, but I'm also, you know, so it's like, I, it's, it's a very interesting dance that every day I'm in with more than one different family. Mm -hmm. You have to have really good social skills, I think, to be a wedding planner. Yes. A lot of communication. Yeah. You know, I talk, I talk a lot, you know, yeah. like there will be days where I get to the end of the day and I'm like, I can't even listen to my own voice anymore. Yeah. You know, like I just can't. I know. Ashley was saying the other day, I said that I was going to go to, for coffee with someone and that I was like, you know, shooting for it to just be like a 30 minute coffee. And she was like, I, I don't know how you could ever have a 30 minute coffee. I think my coffee's average three hours. And I'm like, oh my God, Ashley. I mean, obviously I was, I was exaggerating out. on the three hours, but I can, a hundred percent tell you, I don't think I could ever get out of a coffee for less than an hour. You're such a and better person than I am. It's not a better person. I feel like I'm either losing time and valuable, you know, energy putting into work or I just, it's probably why I go to sleep at like two or three o'clock in the morning. Yeah. I'm busy having coffees with people we talking for to, hours. We need to really set some limits on, <laughs> on you. Okay. So what if someone is unhappy with their wedding planner? How do they approach that topic? What can they say to them? What would someone say to you that wouldn't hurt your feelings, but you would understand and, and be able to move forward with? Right. I mean, I wish you guys could see my face as Whitney's asking me these questions <laughs> because I'm like grimacing and like, you know, uh, here's the thing. If you are unhappy with your wedding planner, this is not going to be a popular response. You need to fire your wedding planner. Wait, 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 wait. What if, what if there's, how many times can someone talk to their wedding planner and then fire them? Like there's no, you I, don't I just immediately was, no, fire no, no. them. I, I was going to wrap that up with okay. something additionally. I wasn't okay. just going to say like, everyone fire your wedding planner, you <laughs> and know? And call Ashley. Right, and call me. <laughs> uh, no, it, it has, honestly, it has nothing to do with me because if somebody fired me, I would probably cry and I would be depressed about it. And I don't, you know, like. You would dive I, into I, a deep dark hole. Yeah, it would yeah. be a real sad day. Like I don't yeah. even. Even know, even if I couldn't stand the person, I'd still yeah. be, you know, depressed, so upset. But I feel very strongly about this. And I've actually been saying this from the beginning of time since starting BK events is that if you are unhappy and you feel like you are not able to clearly articulate how you're feeling and to feel comfortable that the other person is hearing what you're saying, it is never going to get better. And so that's why I say it's better to like rip the bandaid off 
sooner rather than later, because what's going to end up happening is, is that there's going to be resentments and you're only going to get closer to the wedding and you're going to, you're going to bring those resentments into the close, you know, the closer you get to the day. And the fact is, is that you're not going to, you're going to hold back from how you really feel. And then the whole experience is going to be sullied by the fact that right. you just Didn't held on, with your wedding you know, yeah. and, and, and I hate to say it, but it's true. Like we as wedding planners have a lot of responsibility, but if you don't, if, if you're not vibing with us, then like you, you need to move on, right? you know, and, and that's, and that goes with anything in life. If you're not vibing with somebody, like then don't be friends with them or, or don't work with them or whatever it is. And I'm not trying to be so ruthless, you know, about it, but, uh, it's really important that you feel taken care of on your wedding day and, or any event day for that matter. And if you're, if you're not gelling, like it's gotta be over because it's not going to get better. It's only going to get more stressful as, as the event gets closer. That's true. What are some of the coolest or most unique things that a bride has ever asked for? Bride or groom. Right. I've definitely worked with some grooms. Okay. So I was thinking about this because, you know, being a luxury wedding planner, I get requests to do like really crazy things. Um, and then it's all about like, okay, can we do it within your budget? Okay. Check. Can this actually be done? Maybe, mm-hmm. you know? And so there's always this thing where I am guilty for sure of, I'm not going to say overpromising, but literally opening, yes. opening my big mouth and being like, totally, I can totally do that for you. Or even like, I have this idea and I haven't even figured out how I'm actually going to make the idea happen. Yeah. So like, that is crazy. And that has happened before. So like, in a, a story that I can give, I did a wedding last summer and I'm having a meeting with the bride's mom. And we're talking about the wedding and we're talking about the budget and, you know, like things are adding up and it's getting very expensive. And and I'm like very stressed about it because I always say that the day that I feel comfortable spending somebody else's money is the day that I should not be doing this anymore. Like it's a lot of money, you know, like, you know, a thousand dollars, five hundred dollars or like five million dollars. Like that's crazy. We're talking about a lot of money here. So. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm concerned because we're getting to that, you know, tippy top mark of, of the budget and we're rounding out the conversation and the mom says to me, so what else can we do? Like, what other fun ideas do you have? And at that moment, I'm like, oh, okay. So then maybe I need to alleviate some of this stress that I'm feeling about your budget if you want to add more things on. Totally. So I said to her, you know, the wedding is at this private beach in Santa Barbara. What if we did like a huge sandcastle? And she's like, oh my God, I love it. Let's do it. And then I'm like, oh, yeah, sure. Sure. The wedding is in three weeks. And now I got to figure out a professional sandcastle maker and, you know, pull it all together. Is the venue going to let me do it? The whole thing. Of course, I end up figuring it out, thankfully, but I will tell you, I think it took like a full year off of my life because the venue was like, absolutely not. There are rules about not bringing sand onto the actual beach, uh, which I guess is like a law. I didn't, I mean, I guess who brings sand to a beach? That's like a stupid thing to say, but but we weren't doing the sandcastle on the actual beach. We were doing it like just to the left of it. And you probably needed a specific type of sand that the sand castle makers needed in order to make And we need tons of gallons of water. The venue had no potable water. Like it was a whole thing. Potable? Yeah. (laughs) 
<laughs> Which I guess it doesn't need to be drinking water from making a sandcastle, but like it was it was legit. Are we gonna have to have buckets running to the ocean and filling it up with water to oh come to, to make the sandcastle? <laughs> Needless to say, we did it. The sandcastle was six feet tall. It was so sick. I'll post pictures when we air this podcast. It was crazy and the detail was insane. So what are some of like the latest trends? in general for 2020? What are a lot of the things that people are asking you for? Right. So I'll tell you this. I really, this might not be popular. I don't love trends Mm -hmm. because I find that like if anybody was to, who's look, listening to this podcast, whether it's their parents or it's themselves or whomever who got married in like the 80s or 90s or even the 70s or whatever, whatever year, <laughs> like you look back and you're like, oh, my God, that wedding happened, you know, blank year. It's so obvious that head that huge tool headpiece that you were wearing with those bouffant shoulders and the whole thing. So, like, I think that I maybe have seen one too many of those photos. And so as a result, I think that I really try to stay away from trends. Now, that's not to say that people who come to me are going to be like, but I want this particular trend. And I'm like, no, you can't have it. Right. I have no ego when it comes to the weddings that I plan. If somebody likes what they like, then obviously I'm going to do whatever it is. So I can cater to whatever anybody wants. But in regards to like the trend thing, I really try to think of a very thoughtful way to bring the trend in Mm -hmm. so that way it's not like taking over the entire wedding right and then you're like oh it doesn't become too themey exactly I mean I love a good theme but I think that it's important to bring in a smaller dose of of you know a trend and so like for example you know 2020 trends you know a lot of people are into this embellishment kind of look so pearls and crystals and all of that which really speaks to me I'm a I'm a bling bling kind of girl so I I love anything that sparkles Uh uh you know and in regards to like dress that goes with dresses and that goes with tabletop that goes with you know really any kind of fabricated item that you're gonna have okay uh you know crochet is really a big thing and it's been actually for a little while now Mm -hmm. um we did a macrame hoopah for our sister jade's wedding Mm -hmm. and that was really cool and that was like two and a half years ago so you know i think that it's really important for me to also remember that because we live in a big city what is trendy for us may take a little bit of time to you know go mass market right and so i have to remember that i might be a little bit jaded when it comes to trends and i'm like oh my god we did that already right but you know other people can absolutely pick up on these things. So like crochet and lace is big. I think a lot of what I'm seeing in regards to dresses too is definitely speaks to me is more of like a suit or like a jumpsuit or even like a perfectly tailored short kind of a look. Interesting. Not necessarily for your wedding day, but obviously if you're not a dress girl, you know, like totally rock that look. Yes. But I think that whether it's for your welcome party or any, you know, bridal shower or anything like that, I think that gone are the days that you have to be dress girl if you don't want to be that girl. Uh, and then I think another thing in regards to the actual overall event that's, you know, really on trend is what I refer to as like a grazing table. So that's another place where you can create this kind of like community vibe. Mm-hmm. I'm all about the guest experience and making sure that, 
you know, everyone who's coming to your wedding are taken care of. I mean, at the end of the day, these are the most important people in your life. So you want them to feel like, you know, you've really thought about them. So with these grazing tables, it can range, you know, it could be something like a charcuterie table. It could be, you know, a sushi station. It could Uh really be anything, but something that is going to be able to look abundant Uh and welcoming to your guests. And so that's why a charcuterie or a fruit and veggie or something like that really lends itself Uh because you can, you can really make it like kind of Marie Antoinette and like totally overdo it. And that way people can, you know, congregate around it and they can snack and they can eat, you know, and, and be a part of conversation. One thing that we did that was sort of like that, but more of the drinks aspect was the hydrating stations, yes. which sounds so silly, but yes. at our wedding, you know, we knew people were going to be drinking a lot and mm-hmm. we wanted to make sure that people were not getting too sloppy. So we had all these different stations of mixed fruit and like agua frescas exactly and we had this one station that had like a big jug of watermelon juice and then when people arrived at our wedding we had a bar filled with fresh coconuts and straws I think that's a really cute and semi-affordable thing to do to make it feel different but to also take care of your guests because you're not really drinking a lot of water or anything healthy at a wedding. Absolutely not. I mean, I loved that coconut bar that we created at your wedding. It's one of my favorite details because, you know, it's just so different. And I think additionally, I am somebody who I don't love serving alcohol prior to the ceremony. I think that I know this might not be a popular feeling, obviously, based on Whitney's reaction. I'm like, this is going to be a boring (laughs) wedding if there's not champagne upon my arrival to Uh, the ceremony. Okay, so maybe don't come to any of mine. (laughs) Um, but so didn't I serve champagne at mine before you did, but I'm saying I'm not always the biggest fan, um, but we did also have coconuts. So we met in the middle for our wedding, um, (laughs) for our, yeah, exactly for our wedding. Um, but I think that I am all about drinking, having fun and partying and getting totally wasted because believe me, it's definitely my entertainment as your wedding planner to watch all of your (laughs) drunken friends on the dance floor. But I think that there are so many opportunities during the night to drink and the ceremony to me, there's just something that, I mean, it's the whole point as to why you're there. Yeah. And lastly, in regards to the drinking part of it is people then don't know what to do with their glasses. They go to sit down and then you like look in the aisle and there's like champagne flutes just like sitting on the floor. And then they're all part of the pictures, these empty glasses. So it's like for me, I have to think about all of those ridiculous details. I don't want your champagne flute, you know, laying on the floor as the bride's walking down the aisle. Right, right. Okay. Sorry. I understand. What ended up happening to all the glasses at my wedding? Were servers just... We had servers collecting them. Yeah. I mean, please, you you think that I would have allowed anything like that? <laughs> I'm a crazy, I'm a crazy boss. Yeah. <laughs> Even on her own sister's wedding day. Okay, so in trends, what about floral arrangements? Right. What are some things that you're seeing a lot of that people are asking about? So with florals, I think that this area is so broad, which I love because you're never going to find one bride who wants the exact same thing as the other. Uh, I mean, actually, that's not 100% true, considering that I was just telling Whitney that her wedding has been recreated, I believe, 50 times over where like her venue took place and her all green circular hoopah. You know, we were definitely above trend or uh, 
before trend, I guess you could say, on that circular arch, if you will, Mm -hmm. you know, that she got married on. Mm -hmm. Now it's become everywhere. So um, I would say that I like it when people want to create their own vision, but take a trend, like I had said before. So, you know, like moody colors, if you're getting married in the fall uh, or winter, I love like a burgundy type of color. I love a deep color because I think it really sets the tone. Mm -hmm. And then when you offset that with candles, exactly, when you offset that with candles, I just think that you don't even have to do much more than that because it really speaks for itself. You know, pompous grass and all types of grasses and dyed flowers are very big. Mm -hmm. We did that, obviously, and you had a hand in helping me come up with that idea for Paige's wedding. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Paige got married in 2016, and now we're in 2019. So obviously, pompous grass has been around, you know, for a while. I think that it doesn't really seem to be slowing down because I'm seeing it still constantly over and over again. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think that the dyed grasses is is a really, you know, is a trend that's here. Was Mandy Moore's wedding with the baby pink pompous grass? That was so gorgeous. Yes, Mandy Moore's wedding was absolutely an example Mm -hmm. of that. I think another trend that I'm seeing are dried flowers, and I think that that's really cool too because that's something, like what we were talking about earlier about budget weddings, you could dry your own flowers. You know, like you can and and it can even be taken to another level of sentimentality. Like if your fiance has given you flowers or, you know, like there was a special event at your at your house or something like that, you can keep those flowers and dry them and then use them. So, you know, just like additional ways to get what you want without having to spend a fortune. I would love to see some pictures of what dried florals look like in a wedding. Yeah, it's it's really pretty. It's really pretty. And, you know, to dry flowers, all you have to do is just hang them upside down. Right. So mom had dried flowers in our house for like 15 years in our kitchen. Forever. Okay. So what are some do's and don'ts when planning your own wedding? I know, like we said, it's, it can get expensive to hire a wedding planner. So if someone is planning their own wedding, what should they really be thinking about? I would say definitely you have to be a list maker. You know, uh, I am a big time list maker. So, you know, for me, I I provide a list of all the services that I include in my wedding planning when my clients sign with me, along with a month-to-month timeline of what should be accomplished every month leading up to the wedding. Obviously, if you're not hiring a planner, then I think that you have to be your own like your own best advocate, you know, if you will, like there are so many things available on the internet now where that you can, whether it's through like the knot.com or brides.com or any of these particular websites, you know, that will share with you, you know, for free, uh, a to-do list, a checklist. And some of the things, maybe things you're not even thinking of, some of the things may not even apply to your wedding, but at least it's somewhere where you can get started. Mm -hmm. And that's absolutely for free. I think uh, a really big thing that I will say is if you don't have the budget to hire a full service wedding planner, then definitely try to hire somebody for at the very least the day of. No one's going to want to be like getting their hair and makeup done, you know, and setting up chairs. Like that's just not what you want to do. So even if it's a coworker or somebody that you trust that, you know, has the ability to problem solve, Mm -hmm. I would say try to delegate on that, on that last wedding day is, is a really big thing. So I think picking your venue and your date is probably the first thing that you do when you're planning a wedding. But what 
are some of the things that help you pick a venue? Like what's important to think about when deciding between venues? Right. So with venues, I mean, obviously I would say this first is that pick your venue before you pick your date because, because your date might not be available at your venue. I think that when you're keeping your venue in mind, these are the things that I would suggest, which are making sure that you check what the city laws are about curfews and sound ordinances. You know, in California, we have a 10 p.m. noise ordinance here. So anything that's outside, amplified music generally has to be off by 10 p.m. Mm -hmm. There are a few venues that will let you go a little bit later. But sometimes people just assume that because they're out in the middle of nowhere, that that curfew won't actually affect them. But that's not true. You know, like, for example, Napa, which is a really popular place for people to get married, you know, in wine country, you could choose a venue that is a 250-acre vineyard. And you're like, I don't have to deal with a curfew, you know, but that is a place that absolutely you will have a 10 p.m. cutoff. And so if you want to go later, you'll need to either start your wedding earlier in the afternoon, Mm -hmm. or you're going to need to organize some sort of indoor after party, you know, component to it. So I would say a big thing is making sure about curfews and noise ordinances. Mm -hmm. The next thing would be having a discussion with the venue before signing the contract about rain and weather plans. And some venues might not have all the answers for you, which is where your wedding planner will obviously be worth their weight in gold. Um, I think that always there should be a plan B when it comes to weather because you never know you never know what you're going to get mm-hmm. and uh, whether that means that you're going to have to end up spending so much money doing a tent or bring it inside or change your venue completely I think those have to be conversations that you have far in advance mm-hmm. so you're not freaking out like the week of your wedding being like oh my god I never thought of I never thought that this could be an issue mm-hmm. um, I think another thing is what the venue fee actually gets you now a lot of places will charge you a rental fee for the venue. Some of them is just literally a flat fee that you're just paying them money just to be able to use the space. Some places will provide you tables and chairs and dishes and all of that stuff. But I think that if you're not working with a traditional venue in the sense that it's a place that provides those type of things, you need to be very mindful how quickly all of that adds up. You know, like if you're just paying for a space and then you don't even have a fork there, you know, like you're going to be spending a lot more money than you maybe initially anticipated. What to splurge on versus what to save on when planning. I think this goes back to what someone needs to know when planning their own wedding, because no one ever knows the cost of these things. If you're not an event production planner, you don't know. So what are some things you can save on? What are some things you think are worth the money? Right. So I think what I was just saying about thinking about how your venue works for you and what type of wedding you're having, I think that you really need to think about what kind of bride you are. Mm -hmm. I think that if you are a bohemian type of bride, you have one way of approaching things. If you have, if you're more traditional or your parents, you know, are like very serious about having that very classical type of wedding, you know, there, there are a lot of different ways that one can approach this. So 
I would say that food and drinks is absolutely something that you should splurge on. Okay. I think that that not only will make your guests feel more taken care of, but it will make for a more full and fulfilling evening. I think like what we were saying is that, you know, people love to have a drink and to, you know, have fun on the dance floor. And, you know, and and I think that food and beverage is somewhere that generally is the largest chunk of your budget. When I'm planning a wedding, I plan for approximately 40% of the wedding budget to go towards food and beverage. Uh, That's not always an exact science, but keep in mind that that is your largest chunk. So if that, if you can splurge on one thing, that would be the number one thing. I think no one wants to go to a wedding where it's like, oh, we just had like three appetizers and no dinner. And then people had to like go out for dinner afterwards. Like that, that just doesn't feel, you know, right. Or um, another thing would be, Printed materials. Now, I love printed materials. It's some of where I get my best design, you know, elements added into a wedding. But, you know, I was talking about this with a few people that work with me and I was asking them, you know, like what they think about splurges, you know, for their for for weddings. And they were saying, like, don't do a program. I'm not a huge fan of a program. I think that people uh, generally know, like, kind of the flow of what the wedding is going to be, I think. And to be honest with you it ends up just being trash, you know, like you print this paper and it sits on the chair and everyone looks at it. And then uh, there are so many times where after ceremonies finish, I end up throwing every single one of them in the trash. Right. So I think that you you never take it home with you. Never. Yeah, never. So if you feel really strongly about wanting to introduce who's in your wedding party to people, Uh put it on your website, you know, like introduce who your maid of honor is and how you know her and and why you guys are best friends. Totally. Uh, I think also a lot of times people feel like you need to do a menu at the table. Right. That's not something you need to do. You could easily, if you wanted to have it, like if you were having a family style meal, for example, you could do a communal one where it's one that's printed for the whole table. Right. Or there are ways where you can combine, you know, like a seating card with a menu. You know, Mm -hmm. there's lots of ways to make it a twofer. Then I would say uh, machine printed things versus calligraphy. Hand calligraphy is always going to be more expensive. Right. You know, and there are a lot of incredible fonts out there. I mean, millions upon millions. And so a lot of times, unless you're kind of like a paper snob like me, no one's even going to notice that it's handwritten versus computer printed. Right. I remember when we were doing your save the dates and we were putting on all of these different vintage stamps and pages uh, at that point, I don't know if he was her fiance yet, but whatever. At that point, he looked at us and he's like, you know, this is just trash, guys. And I was obviously horribly offended. And I looked at Ben and I said, you know, I live in a world where something between one and five people actually care about what I'm doing. So, you know, like I'm somebody who loves that kind of stuff. Yeah. but. Anybody else is not going to be able to tell the difference between your calligraphy or your or your computer printed, you know, stuff. So that's right. definitely a place to save money. Okay. I would say also a splurge would be your photographer. I agree. I think that that is a place that a lot of times people are like, well, everyone has iPhones or, you know, like people take photos themselves and, you know, all that. This is something that I feel very strongly about. It's the one thing that lives on past... Your relationship, (laughs) you know, (laughs) like your relationship is the only thing that lasts after a wedding is over. Yes. 
And photos are what make that day live on. Right. It is so important. Right. So it's not only anybody who couldn't come to the wedding, but it's your future children get to, you know, see what you guys look like at your wedding. Right. And I think that a good photographer will not only be able to capture all the moments, Mm -hmm. but you will be forever grateful that you have those. Right. And I would say the last thing is talking about a DJ versus a band. Okay. Now, there are a lot of traditional couples out there that feel like you have to have a band over a DJ. Mm-hmm. Or people will think that you were having a budgety type of wedding if you decided to have a DJ over a band. I think that that is a common thought that is definitely not true. You know, like I have done huge weddings with unlimited budgets that have decided to have a DJ and not have a band. I don't think that they are synonymous, but I will say this. Uh, Generally speaking, a DJ is going to be minimum five to 10 times less than what a band is going to be. And that's on the minimum side. Uh You know, obviously I know that in Los Angeles and, you know, anywhere that I'm doing like a destination wedding, we're paying a little bit more of a premium for things. Right. But you can save so much money by having a DJ. I'll say this too. You know, there are a lot of incredible bands out there. There really are. People are super talented and amazing, but there is something to be said for why the famous singers of our time and the times before are famous singers. Mm -hmm. It is because they have that it factor. So like you can be an incredible singer, but there is no one that's going to be able to do Beyonce. There's no one that's going to be able to do, you know, Rihanna. There's no, like, there's just, there's, there's just a limit to what people are able to do. And so, you know, like, I'm not trying to say don't do bands, but keep in mind, like what kind of bride you are and you know, what makes the most sense for you guys right I'm a DJ person personally I mean I think a band has good energy but I love to dance at weddings and I just feel like there's more energy that comes from the original music than does a band but that's just me okay what is one thing every bride should know slash try not to forget in the madness of planning a wedding so this is a big question because you know, like I work with clients for like a year, you know, and I mean, we're, we're doing a lot of planning and a lot, and it really can take over your life. And I always say I'm here so that this doesn't have to take over your whole life. Mm -hmm. You know, like if you get off the phone with me or you finish an email with me, like put it away and think about why it was that you guys got engaged in the first place. Right. You know? Uh, And so with that being said, I would say very important thing to do is to continue to plan date nights. You know, like whether you are getting married after one month or one year or whatever it is, you still need to remember why it is that you're in fact getting married. Right. So, you know, like... To plan date nights and not just talk about the wedding. Exactly. (laughs) The wedding actually should not be part of the conversation. (laughs) If anything, you should really try to talk about everything else besides the wedding. I mean, even though it's super excited, but there's no reason to, like, stress about all the details with your groom. If he doesn't want to be stressed about it. Maybe you have a a groom that really wants to be involved in all the details. I don't know. And maybe, you know, with couples of the same sex as well, it's like, you know, there aren't necessarily always those gender roles where it's like one person chooses over the other. Like I said, I've had grooms who have been totally involved and the brides have not. Right. I've also done, you know, gay weddings. So it's like, I just think it's very important to remember why it is that you're actually getting married in the first place and not get so bogged down with all the details. Totally. Another thing is, is that on your wedding day, you gotta just like let go, Uh you know, like 
whether you have a professional helping you or not, the day is going to happen and it's going to roll out and hopefully everything goes exactly how you want it, if Mm -hmm. not better. Mm -hmm. But there's no reason for you to get so caught up in, oh my God, is this person here? Is this person here? Like what's going on? You know, you know, all of the stresses, everything has been planned and now it's just go time. Yeah. So I think that that's something, you know, just like really release it, let go. Well, because you're going to regret it. If you spend the day stressing out about all the details, you're not going to enjoy the actual wedding. So it's so important to really just be in the moment. Right. Be in the moment. Exactly. And then the last thing is that I always say is that the wedding day, obviously it took us a lot of work to get here, but the wedding day is just the day. You have your entire marriage after that. Like your life literally is just starting as a couple after your wedding day. So don't forget that the wedding is just the day. And then from there you have the rest of your lives. Totally. Well, that was truly, truly informative. Oh my gosh, so much information. And I'm sure there's so much more that you can teach. I want to do another episode on a deep dive of my wedding. Absolutely. Are you kidding? Your wedding was the best. I know. We'll go through all the details of it. But I hope you guys enjoyed and thank you so much, Ash. You guys can find her on Instagram at BK Events and tell us your website. Uh, It's www.bkevents.net. Anywhere else they can find you? You know, I mean, obviously there's some magazines that you can find some of my work, but I would say Instagram and on my website, which is getting a full revamp and will be coming soon with all new stuff. Amazing. Uh, So yeah, check me out there. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you guys so much for listening. I hope you loved this episode. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review because I want to hear from you guys. You can let me know what you thought of this episode or anything more you want to hear about. Thanks. Peace in the streets.